Welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. The Supreme Court justices are on vacation until the first Monday in November as legal analysts view the last term and try to glean patterns and trends. Joining me to do just that is constitutional law professor Stephen Vladek of the University of Texas School of Law. So, Steve, the cases that garnered the headlines last week were about partisan gerrymandering and the census citizenship question. But lurking in the shadows, so to speak, was a case on administrative law. Not a very sexy area of law, but a case that tells a lot. Yeah, so the, the case is a case called Kaiser versus Wilkie. Kaiser is actually a Marine veteran who was basically embroiled in this dispute with the VA over the denial of benefits arising out of his PTSD And the actual legal question, June, was whether the VA was entitled to deference in interpreting ambiguous language in its own regulations. The federal circuit, relying on prior Supreme Court precedent, had said yes. And the case had been viewed, I think, pretty widely as an opportunity to narrow, if not get rid of that precedent, basically to reduce the amount of deference administrative agencies provide or receive from federal courts. And the Supreme Court, largely because of a narrow vote by Chief Justice John Roberts declined to overturn the relevant precedent, a case called Our, but narrowed it pretty sharply so that, you know, it's going to be a lot less likely going forward that agencies like the VA will will win in context in which the case turns on whether their interpretation prevails over a court's interpretation. But June, I think Kaiser is important not because of the result, but because I think we saw from the four justices who concurred in part and dissented in part that they really would go much, much further. I mean, Justice Gorsuch's dissenting opinion, if it received a fifth vote, I think would be a pretty radical reimagining of exactly what federal administrative agencies are allowed to do, and more importantly, what they're not allowed to do. So Chief Justice John Roberts, as you mentioned, the deciding vote, he joined the liberal justice solely on that basis of stare decisis, which is precedent should be respected. Do you believe he did that because he didn't want another case? There are two cases where they overturned precedent. He didn't want another case where that happened, and so the image of the court, or because he believes in the fundamentals of the majority opinion? It's a good question, June. I'm not sure sure I know the answer. I mean, I think, you know, for the chief, it's more likely that that was a sort of a, a sickly something to rely upon. You know, he didn't really sort of explain his own views in much detail. I mean, he wrote a short, separate statement. But I think, you know, Jim, perhaps the larger point here is that for the chief, and this is what he said in his separate opinion, he didn't see that much daylight between Justice Kagan's opinion and the opinion that Justice Gorsuch wrote nominally on behalf of the dissenters. You know, June, that, that may be right when a case like that gets to the Supreme Court. I think there's a lot of daylight between an opinion that narrows this kind of deference but still leaves it on the books and one that wipes it away altogether when we're talking about how lower court judges are supposed to deal with future cases. And I think to me the important part here about the chief is, you know, yes, he sort of joined the liberals here, but he also joined Justice Gorsuch's dissent in the Gundy case about the non-delegation doctrine and about Congress's power or lack thereof to delegate legislative and judicial authority to administrative agencies. You know, Justice Gorsuch's dissent in that case was a pretty radical and fundamental assault on modern administrative law. And if the chief is 
fully on board with where Gorsuch is in that case. You know, I think his vote in Kaiser becomes much less important going forward, especially if they're, you know, assume a majority of justices to adopt the Gorsuch dissent in Gundy. For district court judges, how has this term changed administrative law, if at all, the interpretations? Well, I mean, I think Jim, the, the short answer is it's changed it a little bit, but it is portending massive changes coming down the pike. And so I think in the short term, the circuit judges, who are the ones who most often grapple with these hard questions of administrative law and sort of trying to figure out what to do with vague or ambiguous language in agency regulations and agency statutes, I think the circuit judges are for the moment you know, going to be taking their cue from Chief Justice Roberts and basically giving agencies less but not zero deference in these matters, taking a little more seriously the idea that they have an independent obligation, even when the language is ambiguous. But, you know, June, that's just in the short term. I think the real question is whether there's going to be a fifth vote in the long term for the position Justice Gorsuch espoused in Gundy. In that case, Justice Kavanaugh did not participate because it was argued right before he was confirmed. And Justice Alito, who cast the fifth vote in favor of the judgment, said he was only doing that because there wasn't a full court. So if we assume Alito would join Gorsuch's dissent in a future case, and if we assume, as I think we can, that Justice Kavanaugh would be deeply sympathetic to that as well, I think the real story of this term from an administrative law perspective is that the writing is on the wall for a pretty stunning change and shift in the relationship between federal courts and federal administrative agencies. It's not going to happen tomorrow, but I think it could happen pretty soon. This is the first term since Kavanaugh succeeded swing vote Justice Anthony Kennedy. There were only two decisions that explicitly overturned precedent. But did conservatives gain with that change in justices? Oh, I don't think there's any question. I mean, I think we could point to a lot of examples, June, but the one that really jumps out to me is the partisan gerrymandering case the Supreme Court decided last Thursday. So in Rucho versus Common Cause, you have Chief Justice Roberts writing for a 5-4 majority that challenges to severe partisan gerrymandering, even if we think that the severe partisan gerrymandering is unconstitutional, are not justiciable. They're not the kinds of disputes that the federal courts have the power and ability to resolve. And this is a huge deal because previously the court had actually split on whether these disputes could go ahead, on whether federal courts could hear them, with four justices saying no, four justices saying yes, and Justice Kennedy basically hanging out in the middle and saying, I'm not yet convinced he wrote in 2004 that we can handle these cases, but I'm not yet convinced that we can't. And what we see in the ruling from last Thursday is the difference that Kavanaugh makes, where, you know, without writing separately, he signs on in full to Chief Justice Roberts' opinion, basically saying the federal courts have nothing to do with partisan gerrymandering going forward. June, that's an enormous decision with regard to what it's going to mean for redrawing of district maps in the coming years. And it's one that I think would not have been possible if Anthony Kennedy were still on the court. Is Chief Justice John Roberts the new swing vote? Oh, I don't think there's any question looking at this term that with the exception of maybe criminal cases, where it looks more and more like Justice Gorsuch is going to be the most likely possibility for a fifth vote for criminal defendants. On the big, hot-button, socially divisive cases, Chief Justice Roberts is absolutely the swing vote. Now, that doesn't make him a moderate. I mean, I think there's a difference between, you know, being the swing vote and being, as Justice Kennedy was, often a moderate. But it does mean that a lot of these doctrines, our rights and liberties, all of this is going to turn on where Chief Justice Roberts comes down. Thank you so much, Steve. That's Stephen Vladek, professor at the University of Texas School of Law. 
Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.